Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 118th edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises, an information technology, cybersecurity, and digital forensics firm in Fairfax, Virginia. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Today, our topic is Apple's latest and greatest tools for lawyer productivity and efficiency. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Clio. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O dot com. Thank you to Answer One, a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at www.answer1.com. That's www.answer1.com. Thanks to Scorpion. Scorpion sets the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website, ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com slash podcast. Thanks to ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit servenow.com to learn more. We are very pleased to have as our guest our good friend, Brett Burney. While he's certainly been accused of being an Apple fanboy, Brett focuses on providing practical and helpful tips for legal professionals on incorporating Macs, iPhones, and iPads into their law practices. In addition to his Macs in Law blog, that's MacsInLaw.com, Brett provides short video reviews of apps and tips on his Apps in Law blog, AppsInLaw.com, and now offers I Practice on an iPad online course at www.ipracticeonanipad.com. Thanks for joining us today, Brett. Thank you, Jim, for reading all of those websites. It is <laughs> it is great to be with you guys again, Miss Sharon and Cowboy Calloway. Thank you very much for having me back on. <laughs> well, we're always we're always delighted to have you with us, Brett. And today, you know, I know a lot of people were very excited by the Apple announcements that were made in September, which is when we're recording of 2017. It may be a, several weeks before this gets out, but tell us of those announcements, what was the most significant part for lawyers? Yeah, there were some very nice shiny gadgets announced back there. But before I get uh, get to those, you know, I will talk quickly. One of the first things that they did at this big announcements, which was the first uh, presentation they had at their brand new headquarters, it was the Steve Jobs Theater. So it was all kind of nice next to their spaceship campus that's coming up. But they actually had the head of Apple Retail, I think her name is Angela Arendt, 
who uh, apparently was wearing a $1,200 trench coat is what people were saying. But it was good for her to come out. And she talked about how the stores that many of us know about, the Apple stores, are evolving into, I think they even call them like town halls or, or places, you know, for people to gather. But the reason I found that significant was because one of the main reasons that lawyers come to me and ask if they want to switch to Macs is because they bought an iPhone or an iPad or they bought a Mac for their kid, you know, going to school. And they were thrilled with the experience that they had going to an Apple store, buying it, getting the tech support, going to the free classes. And I am excited that that continues to be so, that Apple is putting a lot of resources into their stores. I mean, it really is an experience to go there, but the fact that they let you go and use the products there, the fact that they have a lot of free classes, the fact that you have, well, they used to call it the Genius Bar. They're now calling it the Genius Grove, I think. But I find if you have a problem with your iPhone, for example, and you need to get a replacement, they'll replace it like over lunch, for example. It's a place where I find a lot of folks that are using Macs and Apple devices, lawyers, that don't have, you know, they're not big enough of a firm to have a full tech support system. Having those Apple stores there are pretty important. And then just a couple more things. They announced the new Apple Watch uh, Series 3. It actually now has... The, an LTE cellular radio built into the watch. I mean, so it's almost like we're finally realizing the, the days of Dick Tracy from, I think it was the 1930s <laughs> when the cartoon first came out. Not the, not the 1990 Dick Tracy movie with Warren Beatty and Madonna. We'd like to forget about that. But the fact that now lawyers don't have the excuse of leaving their phone at home because literally in your watch, on your wrist, you have a full phone connection. You can leave the phone at home and still be connected even through a cellular capacity and make phone calls. Lastly, I would say the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, I almost feel sorry for these devices. They were quite overshadowed by the new iPhone 10. Don't you dare call it iPhone X. The iPhone 10 is being announced. (laughs) It probably won't be available until the end of the year, closer to the end of the year. But I will say this, Now that the iPhone has been out for a while, I saw some recent headlines where people were able to use it and compare the speed of it. And I just found that the new processor they put into the iPhone 8 is called the, very cool name, the A11 Bionic Processor. But that processor in the iPhone 8 is more powerful than the newest MacBook Pro that Apple puts out. I mean, that's that's pretty insane that your phone now has a more powerful processor than your laptop could have. So I think that that just kind of shows the evolution. Obviously, that just means better speed, more responsiveness. And then last thing I promise, iOS 11. That was actually announced back in July of 2017. But the improvements with iOS 11, I think, are just really what most legal professionals are going to find in going forward now with the new iPhones coming out, whether it's 8 or the iPhone 10. That going forward, you have access to the the Files app, the improvements with iPads and the slide over, and just the amazing improvements in iOS and the operating system that people are going to be using on the iPhone and the iPad. So that was a lot there, but all of that, I think, is important for lawyers to just sort of be aware of going forward. Well, that's great, Brett. We appreciate that roundup. Uh, We also heard a lot about Face ID for the iPhone. I guess I have two questions for you there. How effective is Face ID going to be for lawyers, and how effective is it going to be for the National Security Agency? (laughs) (laughs) So so that will remain to be seen, I think, on on maybe on on both of those questions. We'll see. I I mean, 
I'm confident Apple has been throwing a lot of warm bodies at testing this or maybe warm faces on this. I mean, the demonstration was pretty amazing that Apple did, other than the fact that the first iPhone didn't work. Um, They've been able to explain that away on that. But, you know, if we take a step back, just now the iPhone has been with us for 10 years. We first had the passcode, right? The four-digit passcode. It was like your ATM pin. And by the way, I would like to say, if you are a lawyer and you get client email on your phone, you absolutely must have a passcode. I think that falls way below your standard duty of care in protecting confidential information. At the very least, a reasonable effort to protect that information is to have a passcode. But then Apple introduced the Touch ID, which was using your phone or your fingerprint. It wasn't the first fingerprint reader. I remember the old IBM ThinkPads that had this. It was, it was terrible on those old laptops. But Apple perfected it to where it's over the last three devices that have had Touch ID, they have really come a long way in doing that. So now we're moving on to Face ID, which I think makes sense. It's not the first biometric facial recognition software. We'll see how well Apple does it. We're not going to know until it actually comes out of the wild, right? Does it work if you got makeup on? What about sunglasses? What about if you broke your nose? What if you have a twin? How is all that going to work? We may not know fully until it comes out into the wild. But I think Face ID is going to be a good balance between high security and high convenience. Touch ID, very secure, but it's a little inconvenient because every time you got to tap the four, you know, the digits on there if it doesn't work or just make sure you hold your thumb in the right place. But what's the first thing you do when you pick up your phone? You look at it. You're going to look at your phone. And so I think Face ID has the potential to be highly secure. It's unique to your face. We'll see how it works. But it's also highly convenient because theoretically, <laughs> you pick up your phone, you look at it, and it immediately recognizes you and you can jump in. So we'll see how it goes once it's live in person. It only is going to work on the iPhone 10 so far, which again, won't be out until probably a couple months from now. Well, I'm sure that you are not at all surprised that my partner, John Simic, <laughs> uh, calls it the, <laughs> the, the, the 10X. Uh, oh, good. I, 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 would, I would expect nothing less from John. <laughs> not, none of us would. And I was shocked when I heard a reporter this morning call it the same thing. Good, good. Okay. I, I hope it so, doesn't catch on, even though I so love that's, John. So that, that part's going really well for good. the marketing department. <laughs> okay, Brett. So backing off slightly here, okay. should, should lawyers upgrade to iOS 11 and what is its biggest benefit? Oh, so... Yeah, it's, sometimes it's hard for me to answer that because you guys know me well enough. You know I'm pretty high up on the nerd spectrum. So, of course, I like to upgrade as quickly as possible. I want to get all the fancy new items and features. But because I work with lawyers whose time is extremely valuable, I also try to be practical at this and a realist. And, you know, and I would say if it's not extremely important right now, I would hold off for a little while. You know, we always see this Apple again test everything to the nth degree before they release the iOS. And most of the time, it's amazing how little issues that we have. But there have been a few things people say some apps are not installing correctly. And there's a few apps that haven't been upgraded to take advantage of the new iOS 11. So if you really rely on your iPhone or your iPad, I would say nothing's going to hurt for you to hold off for a couple of weeks other than the fact that you see everybody else upgrading. But um, there are some great new features on there. The new control center with iOS 11 is really nifty that you can customize how that looks. The interface seems to be a little 
more instructive to me. I just I find that I'm able to find things, or it just it just seems a little easier to understand a little bit. Uh, in the iPad, they have the new Files app, which is really going to be nifty. It could really revolutionize the way that we can carry files on our iPhone and iPad. That's what I talk all about in my in, my, in that course that Jim you mentioned. You can drag and drop different things. Uh, there's the scanning app now built into the Notes app. You can actually even little tiny things like you can share Wi-Fi passwords. So if you you know somebody comes over to your office or your house, instead of telling them the whole long password that you have for your Wi-Fi, if you're both on iOS 11. You just put the devices close together and it shares the Wi-Fi password so that you don't have to type it all out. They don't have to type it every time. So little tiny things like that are beneficial in iOS 11, but I wouldn't say it's a must-have to have. Eventually, everybody's going to go there. Some of the security features are really great to have, but it used to be okay to hold off for a little while, maybe until iOS 11.1 <laughs> comes out. Okay. Well, Brent, maybe you have a better idea than I do. I don't really know exactly now, but how prevalent are Apple iOS devices in the legal word versus Android and the others, including our friend Dan Pennington and his BlackBerry? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I know Dan. And I wonder if he's still holding that very, very close to his his heart. He would be one of the estimated 2 to 3% of lawyers today that are actually still using Blackberries. Um, I love to pull my numbers from our good friend Jeff Richardson, who runs the blog iPhoneJD.com. Every year he pours over one specific part of the ABA uh, Legal Technology Survey, which is about mobile devices. And he finds there's also the ABA Tech Report, as you guys know, that the uh, Law Practice Division actually sponsors the Legal Technology Resource Center, and they put this survey out every year. And right now, the number of lawyers using iPhones is between 68% and 73%. So by far, that's the largest group. If you're not using an iPhone, you're probably using an Android. That's around 21 to 23% of lawyers are using an Android. And, and again, just like Dan, there's about 2 to 3% that are still using Blackberries and about the same number, maybe just a tiny bit less that are holding on to their Microsoft Windows devices. But by the way, as you guys know, both Blackberry and Microsoft have are getting out of the phone markets altogether. So I would see in the next year or two, you're not really going to have a choice, you know, save for Dan, of course, who will continue to use a BlackBerry. But you know, <laughs> most other people are not going to have a choice. They're going to have to go to either probably an iPhone or an Android device on there. And I, I would just quickly say from the ILTA, International Legal Technology Association, they have most of the bigger, larger law firms. And even now, when they started asking this question about which devices do you support, all of them now support at least the, the iPhone by far, which even a few years ago, they didn't even do iOS devices. Uh, they obviously still support uh, Android most of the, as well, but we see by far that the iPhone and the iPad are the phone device and the tablet device that the vast majority of lawyers are using today. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the country. Connect your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and the rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit ServeNow.com. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. 
That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up with the code TDE10. Of course, you can find Clio at Clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is Apple's latest and greatest tools for lawyer productivity and efficiency. Our guest is our friend Brett Burney, who focuses on providing practical and helpful tips for legal professionals on incorporating Macs, iPhones, and iPads into their law practices. So, Brett, which iPad slash iPhone should lawyers buy today? I think you kind of answered that one. And what accessories do they need? Yeah, I would just say quickly on the iPhone, if you don't have an iPhone yet, I would say get an iPhone 8. It would be great. If you already have an iPhone, like a number 7, then you might want to hold off for the iPhone 10. If you have an older version of the iPhone, getting the iPhone 8 will be a huge world of difference for you. On the iPads, I would say I still recommend lawyers go with the iPad Pro. There's two sizes there, 10.5 inch and a 12.9 inch, the, the mega size iPad. Don't waste time on the iPad, uh, nothing. There's an iPad now that doesn't have anything after it. I wouldn't waste time on that because you need a professional grade machine. For the size, I tell folks, go to an Apple store or a Best Buy, hold them, look at them, carry them around, slip them in your purse or briefcase, just take them out again until you buy it. But just see if you like the bigger screen. Some folks like Jeff Richardson love the bigger screen. He says it's more like a sheet of paper. Others feel awkward carrying the size around. Even the smallest version of a storage on iPad is plenty for most lawyers, but if your budget can handle it, instead of getting a 64 gig, you can go up to 128 or the 512. And then the last question that most people ask is, should I get a cellular-enabled iPad? And I say, again, if you do a lot of travel and if you can handle it budget-wise, absolutely get it because then that means that you are on the internet wherever you go without having to rely on a public Wi-Fi hotspot. And on the accessories, I say yes on the Apple Pencil. That's an extra $100 for that. And on the keyboard, Apple makes the Apple Smart Cover Keyboard. That's $160. But even if you don't go with the Apple Smart Cover Keyboard, I absolutely recommend for the iPad to make sure you get some kind of a keyboard. My other favorites come from the company Logitech. They make several keyboards for the different size iPads as well. Has the iPad today finally become a laptop replacement? If it's not a full replacement yet, Jim, it's getting even more darn close than it ever was. I've been talking about the iPad for seven years now, given hundreds of presentations, CLE seminars on how Yelp lawyers can use the device. And this is always the number one question people ask me, can it replace my iPad? And I always want to say a little on the snarky side, why do you want to replace your laptop? It's like, your laptop is a laptop. The iPad is yet another device that is designed to elevate you and your practice into the digital era, carrying around files, for example, using it as a notepad. So initially, Steve Jobs, when he introduced the iPad in January 2010, said this is a third category of device. Everybody has a phone already. Everybody has a laptop. Can the iPad fill a third category of device? And at the time, he said, you didn't need a keyboard for it. You didn't need a stylus. We've seen Apple shift a little bit in that to where today, 
with a keyboard and a stylus, and with iOS 11. The fact that it incorporates a lot of multitasking components in just like a Windows computer does. I think we are getting even closer today. It's not going to be, I don't think it's a full replacement yet, but it's getting very darn close. So, if you had to specify, what are five of the top apps that lawyers should download and use on their iPhone and iPad, Brett? Oh, these are, this is always a good question, too. <laughs> Number one, I say Microsoft Word. It's a free app. You don't have to buy anything. They give the, the app away for free. And I say having Microsoft Word on your iPad or iPhone will enable you to view Word documents that are usually sent to you via email or that you need to open because you can view it even in your email. There's a there's a viewer inside the mail app on iPhone and iPad. You can tap the Word document and you can view it, but you're not going to see any comments or track changes or sometimes the formatting will be off. But if you open that Word document in Microsoft Word in the app on your iPhone or iPad, it looks exactly the way it's supposed to look. Then if you have a subscription to Office 365, you get even a few more abilities and features that you can use to edit Word documents, for example. So Microsoft Word, and then along those lines, even PowerPoint and Excel, all of those apps are free and available from Microsoft. And it's absolutely critical, I think, to have those free apps on your iPhone or iPad. Number two, I would say, number two and three are kind of similar. Number two is a free app called Documents 6. It's from a company called Readle, R-E-A-D-D-L-E. It is basically for managing files from different cloud services or local files that you have. And number three is another app from the company, Readle. It's called PDF Expert. Now, it looks very similar to Documents in the way that you can manage files, but it also allows you to annotate the PDFs, and you can extract pages out of a PDF, and you can manipulate the files and rename them. A lot of stuff that you can do in PDF Expert. That I cover all of that, actually, in my online course, Jim, that you mentioned earlier. Now, a close second leader to that is another app called GoodReader, all one word, GoodReader, but PDF Expert. Number four, I, one of the ones I love is an app called LawStack, all one word, LawStack, and this is basically a free app that allows you to purchase or download additional rules and statutes, either from states or the federal, like for example, when Sharon, you and I talk about e-discovery a lot, we're constantly referencing the federal rules of civil procedure. I used to carry a book around with me with all the rules in it, but it was out of date and it was tattered and dog-eared. Now I use LawStack to pull up whatever rule I need. It's always up to date and I can do a search for whatever I need. And the last app that I like out of, what am I up to five? Yeah, number five, I would say, Notability, which is exactly what it sounds like, Notability. This, to me, is one of the best apps, specifically on the iPad, but I use it on my iPhone as well. I use the Apple Pencil on my iPad with Notability to handwrite notes. Just like I would write with a regular physical pen on a piece of paper, I can now write it on Notability, and then I can export that out as a PDF file. And I can even record audio with the notes as I'm taking notes in Notability, and I can export that out. And I would just uh, honorable mention quickly, OneNote is another Microsoft app. It's a free app available from Microsoft. OneNote synchronizes your notes between your iPad, your iPhone, your Windows machine, your Macs, whatever else that you may have, even Android. So OneNote is also a really nifty note-taking or note-collection uh, notebook app as well. Well, that's quite a few apps, and I know all the lawyers want to know about the apps. Any other neat apps we need to talk about before we move on? Oh, uh, absolutely. Jim, you know I can keep talking about this, but how, how about maybe two, right? 
One that I really like quite a bit is if anybody out there has been into mind mapping, there's a really nifty app called iThoughts, little i, capital T, iThoughts. And actually, I did a podcast with a, um, an appellate lawyer down in Texas in Austin that uses this as a way to organize all of his notes and his trial notebooks and everything. So you can go to absentlaw.com and listen to that podcast. But I thought it's a great way to sort of visually organize your notes. I love that. I'm a big fan of password managers. One of my favorite is 1Password. It's the numeral one and the word password, 1Password. There's also LastPass and a few, Dashlane and a few others out there, but having a password manager is absolutely critical in my mind, and my favorite is 1Password. And then lastly, I would say, can't have a legal-focused podcast on iPads without mentioning TrialPad and TranscriptPad. Both of these are from a company called Lit Software. TrialPad is for trial presentations, which is fabulous. It's very polished app, and the developer continues to update it. And TranscriptPad, if you deal a lot with deposition transcripts or court transcripts, it's a great way to keep organizing all of these and highlighting issues and then creating a nifty report or a summary of all of these transcripts when you're done. So that's TrialPad and TranscriptPad. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. Feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high-value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to market your law firm aggressively and generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One is available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is Apple's latest and greatest tools for lawyer productivity and efficiency. And our guest is Brett Burney, our favorite Apple fanboy who has been shimmering with enthusiasm for this entire podcast. <laughs> and right, we're not done yet. <laughs> we're not done yet, but we must be done soon. Yes. So, Brett, tell us quickly some of your best tips for lawyers that use iPhones and iPads. How about if I just do one? It's one of my favorite. I just did a video on my Apps and Law website recently on this. So you can go and watch this happen if you don't really understand it. But here's the thing. I receive emails a lot from clients. I want to convert those emails into PDF files so that I can save it in my doc management system or save it into the folder you know, with my client files there. And if I'm on a computer, I just go to file print and I print it to PDF. But on my iPhone and iPad, I don't have that. But on my iPad... I can bring up the email and I'm going to print the email, even though I'm not actually going to print it to a printer. It's actually the little reply button. There's a print menu under the reply button there. But when that print menu comes up, 
you see a small print preview image of that email. In other words, this is what's gonna print out, right? So if you take your thumb and forefinger, or any two fingers, and you spread them apart on that print preview, it, I say magically, turns into a PDF, just like that. And then when it turns into a PDF, you can actually say, I wanna attach this to a new email, or you can upload it to Dropbox, or you can open it into another app like PDF Expert. I call it easy peasy print to PDF. And you can use this wherever you have a print function like in Safari or in Microsoft Word or in the Notes app. I just love the fact that I can quickly convert anything I have on the screen into a PDF file by just spreading my fingers apart on the print preview image. So that's my nifty tip. Brett, you mentioned password managers, which are so critically important. What's another really important security tip for iPhones and iPads that every lawyer should know? Here's one of my favorite. Obviously, other than using a passcode <laughs> that you absolutely must have on your iPhone or your iPad, um, I would say restrictions, turning restrictions on. Now, I find a lot of people don't know that this section even exists inside the settings app because a lot of people look at it as parental controls, right? <laughs> and, and, and which it is. And in fact, for my kids' iPads, I turn on parental controls there for the kind of content that they can be viewing. But hey, we're all adults here and I shouldn't have to turn on parental controls. But there's a lot of neat options inside restrictions. If you go to your settings app, you go to general and restrictions, you turn it on. The first time you turn it on, it says, create a restrictions passcode. This should be separate and different from your regular passcode. And once you turn that on, you could really ignore most everything else inside there except location services. So all of us know that an iPad or an iPhone has a GPS radio built in to the devices. You can turn this off if you wanted to, but then you couldn't go to Yelp and look for a nice restaurant, right? And your weather app wouldn't work because the iPhone doesn't know where it is. So this is great that we have GPS radios built in, but it also helps to support the Find My iPhone app. So when your iPhone or iPad gets lost or stolen, and I said when, not if, because it will happen at some point, many thieves today will get smart and they know the first thing they need to do is turn off the location services. But if you go into restrictions, go to location services, you can say, do not allow changes unless what? unless they know that extra restrictions passcode. So I always recommend people should turn that off so that no changes will be able to be done unless you know that extra restrictions passcode. And that way, even if they turn off the phone, because a lot of people say, well, they'll just turn the iPhone off. Or, and I say, yes, but they have to turn it on at some point if they want to sell it or so. And every time you turn it on, the iPhone or the iPad will ping its last known location. So at least it's gonna help you when you go to try to track it down through the Find My iPhone service. So that's under the restrictions, under the settings, and go to location services and say, don't allow changes unless they know that extra restrictions passcode. Well, thank you so much for being our guest today, Brett. Uh, you burble with enthusiasm. You are overwhelmed <laughs> with enthusiasm, and, and it shows. Uh, but along with the enthusiasm is just a tremendous depth of expertise, and I, I know our listeners enjoyed that. And uh, here is to sharing a glass of Woodford with you at some point in the future. Yes. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Jim. Always a pleasure to talk with you, too. 
And that does it for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to The Digital Edge, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Hi, this is Bob Ambrogi. I've been writing, podcasting, and speaking about legal technology for over two decades. Monica Bay and I co-host a show called Law Technology Now, where we interview experts behind the newest legal tech. Tune in on iTunes, Stitcher, or at LegalTalkNetwork.com to learn why technology is improving the legal industry for lawyers, their clients, and everyone as it brings us closer to access to justice for all. Thank you.